Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour. I am your host, Christopher Anderson, and today's episode is about acquisition. It's been a while, actually, since we've talked about acquisition. Um, but if you'll remember, in the main triangle of what it is that a law firm business must do, acquisition is the first one that we talk about. It's acquiring new clients. The other two legs of the triangle are producing results that you promised, in other words, producing uh, the legal work, and uh, achieving the business and professional results for the owners or the results. I've been avoiding the topic a little bit just because uh, it's so easy. There's so much marketing content out there, some of it better than others, but uh, you know, it, it seems like what everybody wants to hear and everybody wants to talk about, and the Unbillable Hour is all about giving you, as a law firm owner or as someone who may want to be, uh, what you actually need. And uh, But the truth is, you need some of this too. It is a cornerstone of our business. If there is one of the legs of the triangle that is a sine qua non, it's acquiring new clients because without that, uh, the business won't last very long. I am pleased to introduce my guest, Jason Hennessy. He's the CEO of Hennessy Digital. Um, and Jason is an internationally recognized SEO expert. He's an author, a speaker, an entrepreneur, and a business executive. Since 2001, so for more than 20 years now, Jason has been reverse engineering the Google algorithms, and I'm going to be talking to him about that. He's a self-taught student and practitioner of SEO, which uh, if uh, anybody doesn't know, I would think everybody knows, but anyway, it's a search engine optimization and search marketing, um, and I'll ask him to, to explain what uh, the difference between those two things are. Um, he's been running as uh, Hennessy Digital since 2015. He's got a team of over 100 digital marketing experts working with him, and uh, he's an authority in legal SEO. He's grown this business into a $10 million plus business. He's Inc. 5000 for the second year in a row, and uh, he's been a keynote speaker, a webinar host, frequent podcast guest, and Jason loves teaching what he knows. He's also a U.S. Air Force veteran, holds a Bachelor of Arts in Marketing, and he's from New York, which uh, I could appreciate. Jason <laughs> launched his career in Las Vegas, uh, but he's been also working in the legal industry here in Atlanta, but he's living in Los Angeles. He's got his wife there with him, Bridget, three children, and he is rocking it with law firms across the country. So Jason, with that introduction, just tell me a little bit more about how did you get into this? Like, what, what got you started reverse engineering Google's algorithms? Yeah, you know, the, the story goes back to like 2001. And by the way, thanks for that kind of introduction. Um, I appreciate it. And I'm honored to be on the, uh, the episode here. So it goes back to about 2001. And at the time, I was just getting out of the United States Air Force. Um, I was DJing. I was a wedding DJ. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> And uh, I was DJing weddings on the weekends and, you know, I was advertising in the yellow pages at the time it worked. I had a radio show. I was advertising in the bridal magazines, but being in Las Vegas, I couldn't tap into the brides that were coming to Las Vegas as a destination wedding. Right. And so that prompted me to create a website called Vegas Wedding Mall at the time. And I paid a developer about $5,000 to develop the website after it was developed three months later, I'm like, by the way, Stalin, who is the developer, I'm not getting anybody to the website. Is it broken? <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, that's called SEO or something. I don't do that. 
And so I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm already into this. I got to figure this out myself. And so I bought some books and I read them and I bought more books. And then from there, it just became a passion of mine. And so you practice strategies and techniques, it works. And then you continue just kind of, uh, you know, apply, you know, new strategies and techniques. So. Okay. Well, I mean, that makes sense. But like in one of the things that, that was in your intro, and I know you talk about it in your book, uh, which we'll get to in a minute, but I said you've reverse engineered and you just said you studied Google and you, you read some books, you figured it out and that, and now you're helping other people figure it out. But one of the things that, that I wondered about when I read that is like, doesn't Google like continually change what it does to try to thwart exactly what you do? They do. Yeah. So they have these updates, right? There's some core principles to SEO that, you know, if you follow, you won't have a whole lot to worry about. But at the end of the day, what happens is it's very transparent, right? When you do a Google search for something, right? You're going to see the top three results, right? And right. if you've been studying this for so long, you can start to look at the patterns, right? There's tools that you can use, which I know we'll talk about as well. You know, but we can understand, okay, well, what does the content look like? Does this number one result have a video? Um, mm -hmm. You know, is the site loading fast? You know, do they have other websites linking back to it? What type of links do they have? What's the, what's the value of each link, right? So over 20 years, you really start to understand all of the micro variables that kind of matter. And then from there, you know, you just start to put the patterns together and then it becomes very clear what the top three websites are doing that the sites that are on page 100 on Google are not doing, right? Does that make sense? It does. And so, I mean, it sounds like, so when, when you first sort of, when I first sort of read the words reverse engineering, it almost sounds like you're kind of hacking it. But I think what, from what I'm hearing you is like you said, first of all, there's some principles that if you follow, that's the meat and potatoes of it. And then doing some of this research as to what is serving other businesses well helps you to kind of understand where to emphasize the, the good practices. That's exactly right. You know, and a good example is like, if you look at like Wikipedia, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, if you do a search for Google for just about anything from like the word baseball to Babe Ruth to whatever, right? There's a probably good chance you're going to see Wikipedia ranking in the top three or five positions on Google, right? Why, yeah. right? It's because they became such a subject matter expert on everything, right? And then when you go to that page, they've got references, they got citations, they're linking correctly to different pages using exact match anchor text, right? The blue links that are linking to it is sending Google a signal that the relevancy of the next preceding page is probably about that word, right? So, you know, not only do I just study the legal market and, you know, if I'm competing in a very competitive market, like let's just say Orlando, right? A car accident keyword, you know, which people are spending four or 500 bucks a click for, I'll start to study even the bigger websites. What is Wikipedia doing? What is the Coca-Cola's of the world doing, right? And so, you know, and then, or especially like in Amazon, right? You know, and and so from there, you you start to understand like I said, the variables of, of what, you know, what it takes. Yeah. What, what would make sense about that to me is like that I can't imagine, or maybe they do like someplace like Wikipedia, are they really worried about SEO or are they just rocking it because they, like you said, they've got all that relevant content? Yeah. Once you get to a point, you know, you don't necessarily need to worry specifically about SEO, you know, sure. You want to kind of make sure that you have your, 
your foundation of kind of how you're building and optimizing pages, right? But from there, what happens is, is, you know, a site like Amazon, you know, because so many people has heard of Amazon and everybody links to it, you know, you start to, you start to gain authority just by way of the brand that you've built. And mm -hmm. so sometimes an authoritative website will start to supersede like all of the micro things that you can do to change on the web page, right? You know, just because it's such an authoritative force and Google needs to rank that website higher, right? Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And we, we all hope to get there. But in the meantime, not only do you help law firms directly with this and bring your expertise to bear to improve their marketing, but you wrote a book. Tell me about the book. What did you write? What? Why? Yeah. So I wrote the book. Uh, it's called... This way I can say, I wrote the book on law firm SEO, <laughs> right? <clears throat> it's been something- See, here it is. It's called law firm SEO, right? It's the name of it. It's called law firm <laughs> SEO. And there's reasons why I named it law firm SEO. There's SEO reasons why I named it law firm SEO, right? If you did a Google search right now, you would see like there's people that are bidding for that keyword, right? For pay-per-click. But then I actually have the whole right knowledge panel because of the name of the book, right? So I've got this ad there for that term that's important. So anyway, those are the SEO reasons. But the true reason why I wrote the book is not even so much to get new business and to get new customers. Like that's all par for the course. The yeah. real reason why I wrote the book is because by the time I personally, you know, speak to somebody that is looking to get out of a contract or is looking for a new partner, like I just hear all of those dreaded stories of like, yeah, you know, I've been paying this SEO provider thousands of dollars and I feel like I've gotten burned and, I've, you know, the expectations were aligned. And, and so I just, honestly, I wrote the book so that like law firms are empowered to make better decisions and educated on kind of holding people accountable to getting the results that they're looking for. It was written in a everyday language. So it's, if you were to buy a book about SEO and you go to Barnes and Noble or Amazon, there's a good chance that it's going to be in the computer engineering section, right? Which right, is a little right. intimidating, right? This book is not written for somebody that understands code. And so if you read the book, you'll be able to get, you know, principles of how SEO works so that you can either do it yourself if you want or hold somebody else accountable to doing it for you. Yeah. And in fact, I think I remember reading somewhere um, that you yourself don't consider yourself a coder really i'm not no believe yeah. it or not no i i understand like the the language i i can speak intelligently about it and i can tell whether or not somebody that is a coder did something right or wrong but no personally i do not sit in a dark room and code myself that's not my um my skill set <laughs> yeah I, I think coders rather go like, we don't sit in dark rooms, man. We're on our laptops. We're on our laptops at the beach now. That's right. Um, yeah. Trading cryptocurrency on the weekends and stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. My guest today is Jason Hennessy. He's the CEO of Hennessy Digital. We've been talking about SEO just a little bit um, and his book. Um, we're going to take a break here, Jason. Let the uh, sponsors have a say. And we're going to come back. I'm going to ask you. Why law firms? You wrote, you figured out SEO. Why'd you write a book about law firms? But first, let's hear from our sponsors. And I'm back with Jason Hennessy. He's the CEO of Hennessy Digital. And we've just learned the author of Law Firm SEO. In fact, yeah, he wrote the book on Law Firm SEO. So after, right before the break, I suggested I was going to ask you this question, and I am. There's a lot of people, a lot of businesses out there who could use an expert on SEO. Why do you focus on law firms? 
Hey, you know what? I accidentally stumbled into this business back in 2008, uh, this specific niche. I was doing SEO mostly for myself. I was doing some affiliate marketing. I did some stuff back in the day in the poker industry and the online casino stuff, right? So really competitive uh, spaces. Yeah. And then one day somebody asked me, um, you know, hey, I've got a group of attorneys that asked me to come and speak about marketing. Would you mind kind of tagging along and kind of giving them maybe like a little uh, a taste of like what SEO looks like, right? And so I sat there, I'm like, yeah, I don't know much about legal marketing, but why don't I just put together a um, presentation on how I was able to rank on Google for the word wedding favors, right? And mm -hmm. I would just kind of give them the exact principles. It's the same principles, but, you know, it's not, you know, you just kind of optimize for your keywords. So I got up there and I was very transparent. There was about 50 lawyers. It was in Atlanta, in Roswell, Georgia, actually. 50 DUI lawyers. I got on stage. I gave them a, a presentation fully transparent of how I was able to rank number one on the Google for wedding favors. Once I got off of the stage, about 45 minutes later, I had about six attorneys come up to the stage saying, hey, that was really awesome. I appreciate how transparent you are. I learned so much. You know, is this something that you do like as a consultant? And I'm like, well, not really, but give me a card and maybe we'll talk, right? And so yeah. there was opportunity there. And so I, uh, I walked away with, like I said, about six business cards and probably about $30,000, $35,000 per month in consulting revenue. And so I'm like, okay, there's something onto this. And so I started to coach um, a couple of the, uh, the attorneys. Um, and then from there, we built a case study. And that case study we used then to get, you know, leverage and, and sell to other lawyers. And then from there, you know, you start to grow your team, you start to grow your business and, and the rest is history. And so this was back at my old agency back in 2008. I've since yep. built that agency and sold it. And now I'm doing it my own agency. That, that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. So it's sort of serendipitous. Let me, let, let me hit you with a question. I know my, my listeners are thinking about maybe, but I think, I think if they've been doing this for any period of time, they've got to be thinking about it, which is as lawyers, we are besieged. We are inundated with two competing messages. One, forget about SEO. Paid search is what's important. And forget about paid search. SEO is what's important. And then there's probably a lot of lawyer listeners right now going like, what's really the difference? What's, what's the difference between SEO? What's SEM and paid search? So can you just speak to like how they play together and why SEO is important and maybe why Paid search is also important, but like, what's your perspective on it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not one or the other, right? Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if you've got all your tracking in place, right, and you invest $10,000 and you're a personal injury lawyer, let's just say, you know, if, if you invest $10,000 and then you get uh, 10 leads, right, well, then your average cost per lead is $1,000 per lead. If you sign two cases, right, you know, then you know that your average cost per signed case is 5000 right? I mean, is that good? Is that bad, right? It just kind of depends. Right. If you get three cases, well, then maybe your average cost per signed case drops down to like $3,000, right? You know, at the end of the day, if that's profitable for you, right, and you're able to kind of take the demand, keep investing in that channel, right? You know, so that's that's that. That's perfectly fine. But the difference between pay-per-click and SEO is that that is a, it's a sunk cost, right? You're not really building an asset per se. You're really just kind of renting space on Google. The space is converting, right? The moment that you shut that off, right? 
you're not going to continue to get. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to. Con- so SEO is the way that you actually start to really build your asset, right? So what you do is you learn from what you're doing from a pay-per-click perspective and you're seeing which keywords are converting. And then you're speaking to your SEO side of the business that's actually building out content so that you start to get some more of that presence within the organic search results, right? So they both play well together. Um, but again, SEO over the long term typically tends to be the lowest cost per sign case because you write one page of content today in about three or four months, that page of content will start to generate some phone calls. But also in about three to five years, that same page of content is generating phone calls, right? So that's basically how I like to explain that to you. Yeah, and one of the funny things is, I mean, in my business, we've got one page that we wrote, and it is now in its fifth year of being the number one trafficked page, and it's nothing special. Like, it's just like, it. people like it. I don't know, you know, it, it, we can't figure it out, but you bet your bottom dollar that we keep it on there. I can explain that, right? So yeah. what happens is whatever that page is about, right? It it satisfies the intent of whoever it is that is searching for that information, right? And the thing about it is Google uses what is referred to as user signals, right? Mm. So when somebody's doing a Google search and you're on the first page of Google and you're in position two, Google's re- measuring the time that somebody actually clicks on your page, right? And how long they stay there before Mm -hmm. they click back to Google, right? So you must have a really good piece of information about whatever somebody's searching for that's satisfying the intent of somebody that's searching because they're probably staying on that page longer and Google feels like it needs to be there, right? If they go back, yeah. So if they go back and then they go to the second result and you know what I mean? So that's probably why. That's really interesting because I mean, that also means like, not only should your content be good, but it should be something that's going to keep someone stuck a little a little while, um, which which is fascinating. And you need to take off your, in some cases, like sometimes lawyers get in the habit of just hiring writers to write content and they're right. not really paying attention. You know, I often tell lawyers, like, go do a Google search, right? See if you are ranking, right? Or just even read your own content. And would you hire yourself like after you read your own content, right? And the answer is no. Well, guess what? Go back to the drawing board, right? You know, another mistake I see people make too is like somebody will do a a Google search and let's just say your result starts with like statistics, right? You know, hey, you know, I was in a car accident. You know, I'm looking for a lawyer. Well, did you know that 3,000 people get into accident? Like nobody cares about the statistics of that. Like- just help me solve my problem, right? So get inside right. the mind and the psyche of the person that's doing a search. That's, yeah, that's really, really important. Listen, when we when we started talking about it, you already started spouting off some things like you can derive uh, your average cost per landed client or average cost per lead. And those are important metrics. But so I, like, I think it's important for, because quite honestly, a lot of people who are out there selling marketing solutions Talk about statistics that I think are less important. So I wanted to get your take on what lawyers should be using as me- as tools or metrics to measure success of SEO. 
Well, again, those two, right? So the average cost per lead and the average cost per acquisition, right? So those are the two that are most important in my opinion. And and I think the digital marketing partners that you work with should have the same goals aligned, right? Um, that's that's it. Now, one thing that the digital marketer can't control is how well you sell, right? Like if you're yeah. answering the phone, right? So if they're delivering cost per lead at a low rate and then you're, for whatever reason, is not converting them, well, then maybe you need to look at your intake team, right? That might be an issue. But, you know, everything else is more of like a means to an end, right? So like I can look at, you know, your traffic. I could look at, you know, things like um, there's third-party tools to see like what is your page speed of your website. Right. You know, I could look at uh, a tool called SEM Rush to see, you know, how many keywords are you ranking for? Is that number growing? I can look at how many pages of content are you publishing on a regular basis, right? So there's all of these different variables that, you know, that you can look at, but those are all kind of like a means to an end. And the end is truly generating leads and new business. Yeah. Otherwise it's just, otherwise it's just vanity. Okay. So that's, those are some of the metrics. How about thinking when, it, if a law firm, and I know I'm just picking stuff out of your book, but I think it's, you know, folks should read your book. First of all, like I know you're, you're not going to pitch it, but I'm going to pitch it. Folks should read the book. It's important for everybody to understand these things. It's to me, not a replacement for working with someone who actually knows what they're doing, but it helps you be a really great customer from my opinion. With that being said, what should a law firm owner or law firm marketing director be thinking about as the most important elements of an SEO strategy? Like what should the SEO strategy be built out of? It really comes down to three core principles. So the first thing is making sure that you've got a site that is technically sound, let's just say, right? So that's probably something that you can do yourself, right? You need to, if you did read my book, I would basically explain like all of the things that you should be looking for to make sure that your site is technically sound and that Google can actually crawl it. Because everything else that I'm about to talk about doesn't matter if Google is blocked and it can't read your right. website, right? So that's the first thing is that. The second piece is a content strategy. You need to be publishing content on a regular basis that is you know, going after whoever your targeted audience is, right? And that should be a strategy, not mm -hmm. somebody just randomly blogging twice a month, right? There right. needs to be a strategy, right? So that's another mistake that I see people made. So content is super important. Again, if we use the Wikipedia example, why is Wikipedia rank for everything? It's because they became such a subject matter expert on every single thing that you can think about. So how can you replicate the Wikipedia model in your specific industry and in your specific right. market, right? Think about that. Um, from a content perspective. And then the third piece is just popularity, right? How do you get your, your brand out there? You know, you can do things by like signing up for the Better Business Bureau. You should probably be listed on a lot of the legal directories. You should do relationships with schools and, you know, government hmm. and try to get your word out there so that people talk about you and link back to you. Setting up all your social media channels, using social and then if you do those things, right, so your technical SEO, your content strategy, and your popularity, that's really the recipe for a good SEO strategy. Okay. Well, I, that makes total sense. What I'd like to do is drill down a little bit with you on the content piece. But first, let's listen to some content from our sponsors so they can pay for the show. And we'll come back and talk about SEO content and specific kinds of it. But first, a word from our sponsors. 
And we're back with Jason Hennessy, the CEO of Hennessy Digital. And before the break, we talked about the strategies the, and, and the three cornerstone strategies of a successful SEO strategy or the three components of an SEO strategy. And I said I wanted to drill down now on content, which was one of them. But, you know, I think you've already alluded to this, Jason, but I think it's just so important to reemphasize that content is not something, it's not gasoline, it's not salt, it's not a commodity that you go out and go buy yourself some content. Like you, you mentioned, like getting somebody else to write a lot of stuff for your website because it needs content, so I go out and buy some content. That seems to be contrary to what you were talking about. So I just wanted you to go a little bit deeper here. You mentioned that content is critical. What do you mean by that and what kind of content really pays? Yeah, so there's lots of lots of forms of content, right? You've got text content, video content, you know, images, et cetera, et cetera, right? But really what you should be focusing on is creating both transactional content, and I'll explain what I mean, and informational content, right? So a trans a transactional page for a law firm would be like if you live in Miami and you're a car accident lawyer, you want to have or let's just say you're a personal injury lawyer, right? You want to make sure that you have a Miami car accident lawyer page. You want to have a Miami dog bite accident page. You might want to have a Miami slip and fall accident page, right? So those are are called transactional pages, right? So when somebody lands on that page, right, they probably need you because they were right. affected by one of those practice areas. And, and it's a direct response, right? The other content that you really need to also include is more of the informational content, right? Like things like, how do I get a police report in the state of Florida, right? You know, that Okay, might be, yeah. You see what I'm saying, right? So those are kind of different, uh, trying to capture different parts of the funnel of where somebody might be doing a search, right? If you are a criminal defense lawyer, how do I find out if somebody was arrested, right? Like- writing content so that you're actually capturing people at the different funnels. So, yeah. but it's super important that you actually have a strategy because if you don't and people are just publishing content at will, you're doing yourself a disservice and Google is that you're actually hurting your SEO by just kind of doing that because the way in which you link to pages, you can cause what is referred to a cannibalization problem. So there's all kinds mm. of things that, that happen as a result. Interesting. The, I mean, I'm interested in the cannibalization. So you're saying that like with content that you, if you're not strategic, if you're not, the word I think I'm looking for is conscious or intentional, I think is what I want to really say. If you're not intentional about the content that you're adding, you could actually dilute the effectiveness of the content that's there? You can, yes. What happens is if you have like, let's just say you have one page that's optimized for Miami car accident lawyer and you think that you need to create another page that's optimized for Miami car accident attorney. Well, attorney and lawyer is just semantics, right? Right. You know, people that don't know that might write two separate pages. And as a result, it looks like you're trying to kind of uh, manipulate the Google search, right? And so as a result, those two pages are now competing with each other. Google sees that they don't know which one to index. And so therefore, as a result of that, you might never be on the first page of Google wow. because you have multiple pages that are optimized for the same terms. Okay, that makes sense. In all of that, as we were talking, you mentioned that one kind of content is video. And some people I've heard like say, you know, video is king. You got to got video all over the place. You got to have tons of video. And some people like seem to stress it less. What's your, what's your take on video as a, as part of the strategy? So from an SEO perspective, as I mentioned, once you get onto the first page of Google, 
it really comes down to these user signals. How do users engage with the pages that they see for that particular query? And so by putting a video that's on your site, that's on your page above the fold, when somebody clicks onto your page, you know, if there's a video there, they might watch the video, right? As long as it's not like a 60 minute documentary, right? You know, but if it's like a two <laughs> yeah. or three minute video, they probably will watch the mini video. A, it's going to give them a personality, your personality, a sense of who you are, right? As a company, you know, but B, it's going to keep them on the page a little bit longer, which is one of sure. the most important signals. So instead of them just hopping over and being there for seven seconds and hopping back, now they're on the page for maybe like a minute and a half, two minutes. And so Google's measuring that time. And so therefore, by having a video and keeping somebody on the page longer, now you'll actually probably sit well into the top three results on Google for that particular query. That makes total sense. And that, uh, that's one of those stickiness tools that we talked about earlier. All of this makes perfect sense. And I like when people read the book, they'll, they'll learn these strategies. And I'm sure there are plenty of agencies, plenty of vendors out there who will say that they do these strategies. And, and a lot of them do. I'm not trying to disparage anybody. But what I think a lot of lawyers as consumers, law firm owners and uh, marketing directors, as consumers of these services, don't know. And the agencies or the, the marketing consultants don't give them the tools that they need to say, you're being successful, you're not being successful, you did what you said you're going to do, you didn't do what you say you're going to do, accountability tools. How should they hold, if, if somebody pays someone to help them with their SEO, how do they hold them accountable? Selfishly, I'm just going to say you need to buy the book. Um, you know, and I think even on Amazon, it was like running for like five or six bucks. They had it on such a big discount yesterday. I've seen that. So, and I, I genuinely mean that, right? It's the only way that you're really ever going to be able to kind of understand this is to educate yourself, right? You don't need to be an expert, but you at least need to be educated so that, you know, you don't get taken advantage of because. In this world of SEO and pay-per-click and, you know, all of the different, like, uh, jargon that we speak, like the geek talk, I guess, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, you start to get overwhelmed and you get confused. And, you know, and, and because you're overwhelmed and confused, you just kind of block it out. And then people can take advantage of you, right? You yeah, know? and do. And they do. And so... That's that's genuinely why I wrote the book is so that lawyers don't get taken advantage of anymore. Like that's that's my main message with that. I want them to get the book also, but can you pull like one thing? Like what's one like if they were going to use one key metric to hold their their people accountable, what would it be? Well, the key metric would be obviously number of like how many phone calls are you getting, right? So mm -hmm. like really like you know like if or how many leads in general are you getting, right? So if you're if you're spending 2,500 bucks a month on SEO, right? And you're getting, uh, I don't know, 40 phone calls. Well, that's 62 bucks per phone call, right? Is that good or bad? Like, and how many of those phone calls are converting into, into new, um, into new business, right? So, but you really need to be set up to track this correctly. And I think that's another area where a lot of attorneys fall down. Right, is they don't have the proper tracking setup, and you say how many how many new new cases did you get from from SEO? Like I have no clue, right? <laughs> and so without that, then you know now it's just a recipe for people to take advantage of right. you, right? You know, yeah. So tracking tracking is key on this, and uh, and can can be done with tracking numbers on the website and other other forms to make sure you know because 
a lot of people are pretty good at tracking their their spend on pay-per-click on search engine or paid search, if you will, but but less good about yeah, stuff that comes in through the website and other sources. And there's ways that you can set it up. Just speak to a consultant and, you know, and, and, and you know, make sure that you got, dy- dy- it's called dynamic call tracking is what you want. All right, man, we are, we are right up close to the end of the show. So I was hoping you might think of either something we've talked about or something we haven't talked about. But if our listeners wanted to take one key takeaway from what you're putting out there, what would it be? The biggest thing is, you know, go to your own website, click around, read some of the content, right? And and if you wouldn't feel comfortable hiring yourself after reading the content, well, maybe it's time to kind of take a look at your your digital marketing strategy. I think that's, that's a great insight. And that, unfortunately, wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour because there's so much more we could cover. Uh, but thank you to my listeners for staying with us. And thank you, Jason, for being our guest. Our guest, one more time, has been Jason Hennessy. He's the CEO of Hennessy Digital. And Jason, in case there's like 100 things that uh, people would like to follow up with you on and they don't want to bug me about it because you're the expert and I'm not, how would they get in touch with you? Yeah, very easy. Social media. I'm just at Jason Hennessy, H-E-N-N-E-S-S-E-Y. Uh, if you forget the E, that's the good cognac. Um, <laughs> and then my email is just jason at hennessy.com. Fantastic. Thank you. And this, of course, is Christopher T. Anderson. And I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember that you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us, and we will speak again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network.